open up this morning uh, our new Christmas series called Christ Has Come. This is part one. I'm going to read to you Luke 1, 38, and then we're going to pray. Luke 1, 38 says this. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I'll read that again to you. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. This is Mary, the mother of Jesus. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you for this day. And God, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the opportunity, Lord, to put our hearts and our minds on you, Jesus, and to be just so thankful for Christ, you've come. You've come and you came for us. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the very worst. And Jesus, we thank you that you came. We thank you that you came to save us. We thank you that you came to rescue us. We thank you, Lord, that you came to put us into families and to restore honor and, and Lord, to make us um, just part of your family. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, would you uh, just minister to our hearts and our minds and, and as we're hearing your word, we just trust your ability to speak to each one of us. Pray for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to share your word. It's a privilege, but I just pray that what's in your heart today will come through today and that we'll all be enriched by your word and your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, at Bethlehem Walk, in the, this, um, this pavilion at the end of Bethlehem Walk, we have this privilege of interacting there and praying with just hundreds of people. I mean, it's just overwhelming that groups of like 45 people will come in and five, ten minutes later, another group of like 45 people will come in. And it's just, it is a glorious mess. It is so much fun. And um, you just sit and you have conversation after conversation after conversation. And what amazes me is the Lord's ability to just create so many divine appointments. I was there the other night and I was sitting with a couple and it was like 11, a little after 11 at night and they had finished the walk and they were telling me this how they've been coming for years, and they're like, how do we get involved? And I was sharing with them, and find out that she's a minister and has a, a doctorate in ministry, and, and just hearing their story. And I, I looked at them, and I just said, how can I pray for you? And, um, and she said, well, you know, in ministry, and I use some prayer for such and such. And I just, you know, I was kind of just listening for the, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, and I just looked at them, and I said, okay. I said, I can pray for that. I said, how can I pray for you? And just like that, you know, sometimes it's like the Lord will open the floodgates. He said, well, four years ago, our three-year-old little boy passed away. And um, it's the only year year we missed Bethlehem Walk because we were at UVA Hospital for eight months, and he passed away. And and, um, we started talking with them and asking more questions and, and just just graciously asking questions and more things. And the, the, the gentleman asked me at one point, he goes, why are you asking these questions? And I said, well, it's really the Holy Spirit. You know, he just, you know, just the leading of the Holy Spirit and just uh, these are the questions I, I just felt to ask you and, and that kind of thing. And we had this prayer. And we, we were there till I think, 1130 or so, just praying and just this, this divine encounter for this couple in their life. And, you know, it's one of those things like you, you don't go for these kinds of opportunities, but these kind of opportunities come. And, 
And today, I, I want to talk to you about the, this concept of Christ has come. Because, you know, the reality is we live in a day and age where the story of Jesus coming has been here for a really, really long time. Uh, I'm so thankful. I, I mean this sincerely. I'm so thankful to live in the day and age that I live in, not just because of my iPhone and I like Excel spreadsheets, but I really like the fact that it's after Jesus has been born. Like, I get to know the story that happened. I don't, I'm not looking forward to the story happening, if that makes sense, because there was centuries where they were waiting for him to come. And we're going to talk today about people who were waiting for him to come. We live in a time where he has come. And so really what it does is it puts kind of the onus on us, like, he has come. Are you ready for him? I was talking with a, a couple the other night, and I'm sitting there, and I just looked at them. I said, how can I pray for you? And um, they, they looked at me, and the, the wife just said, pray for our marriage. And um, I said, absolutely. You know, I'd love to pray for your marriage. I'm really passionate about the subject of marriage. And I said, but before I do, I said, where are you with, with Jesus? Like, are you guys... But do you, are you guys Christians? Do you believe in Christ? You know, that kind of thing. And uh, kind of like an inquisitory kind of thing. And she said, well, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. And I, 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 you know, I'm a Christian and that kind of thing. My husband, though, and then he kind of like, no, I'm, I'm not a believer. I don't really believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in any of that kind of stuff. And as I began to just talk with him, and of course, I, I'm really comfortable with that because I, as a teenager, was an atheist and just was very sincerely like, I don't believe in this book and I don't believe in all this stuff. People say, what do you think happens when you die? And I went like this. I think that's what happens when I die. You know, I just go into the ground kind of thing. And, and um, I had my own journey. And so I, I talked with, with this gentleman for a while and, and I said to him, I said, what, what do you need? What would need to happen for God to convince you that he's real? And he thought about that. And yet sometimes you ask a question, sometimes people have an answer. Some people, sometimes people don't have an answer. And it was like, you know, it wasn't really in his frame of reference. I don't really know. And I told him about my own journey and about how I was wondering if God was real and those kind of things. And one of the things that in my journey was I thought, well, well, God, if you're real, make the chair levitate. The chair didn't levitate. Um, and I remember days later, and I was sharing with him with this, this with him, I said, Days later, I had this thought if the thought was God doesn't do magic tricks. And I realized that if he had made the chair levitate, that I would need him to keep doing things like that for me to believe that he existed. And it was like the wisdom came to me later of why he wouldn't do that. And, you know, the question isn't whether or not God wants to reveal himself. The question really starts to become, do you want him to be revealed to you? And I, I said to him, what would it take? And it was almost like, it's almost like you're in surgery and you're walking around and you're going, okay, what, what's going to open up this heart? Have you considered the question of what would God need to do to reach you? And, and later on, I would pray for him and I would say, God, reach him in ways that are specific to him where he would know that only God could do this to reach his heart and mind. And kind of you know, explain some of the simple things like how hearing God's voice is often something, an impression or a thought that isn't you but is in you kind of thing and how how that kind of works to just kind of make some clarity there to to ready him i said to him i said 
later on in the conversation. And I had, my heart breaks for the guy because it was obvious to me the longer I talked to him that he had experienced a lot of hardship in life, a lot of abuse in life, a lot of things. And there was kind of this shell around him. And I asked him, I said, if God is who this book says he is, if God is actually loving, if it's his love that motivated him to send his son to the cross, would you serve him? Would you give your if he is all these wonderful things, would you give your life to him? Now, for me, I'm thinking, like, I'd be shouting, yes! But see, that's because I've tasted and seen. And he thought about it honestly, and he couldn't give me an answer. Now, I wish I had, like, by the way, for those of you who are waiting for some amazing end of the story, I don't have it for you, so you're like, he's always been amazing. No, no, no. (laughs) And... But I'm having this conversation with him and this reality, these realities. When I, I left, I, let me finish the story. I, I prayed with them. They allowed me to pray with them. And when I walked away from it, these realities began to sit in, set into me. And it was, first of all, some people will never say yes to Christ's coming. And that's hard for me. It's hard. I think what makes it harder for me is some people will never say yes even though they've been exposed to him. It's hard for me because what's hard for me is because I want it for them. And I and God respects people's will and he respects people's heart. And I know God's heart. He would that none would perish. Like I know where his heart disposition is. So I don't, I don't really doubt that part. And I've, I've known his heart to be that way as he's transformed my heart i've only gotten a bigger heart for other people and so i don't doubt that at all but to recognize that sometimes there isn't something that where people will say yes and you know for me by the way just as an aside when i'm sharing with folks like my attitude in my heart is not one where i've got i've got to close the deal like sometimes I think people look at it as like I got to get a notch on my belt, and I, we coach the whole team. No, 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 no. It, we serve in humility, and you know it says in Scripture in, in Corinthians it says I water or I planted, Apollos watered, God made it grow. Like that perspective is the perspective you plant and you water, you plant and you water, and by golly, you plant and water a lot, you're going to get the you'll be there in the moment on the front line when Jesus. When, when people accept Jesus, and it's a beautiful thing. And you'll actually get to close the deal, if you will. But it'll be because what God is doing in that moment, they're ready. And it's just so many times when I've seen that happen, it's just the easiest thing because of everything else that God is doing in their lives. And it's a lot of fun. A lady last night came to us. She goes, I just led somebody to Jesus. I just led somebody to Jesus. She was so excited. And she said, and she told us the story. She said, this guy, he, or this lady came in, and she goes, I, I need to do something. And it's so wild, because it's exactly what we had prayed for as a team. She said, I was listening to Nicodemus, and then all of a sudden, it wasn't a story anymore. It, when he started to pray, it wasn't an actor. It was, he was praying, and I realized that, no, this is for me, and I, and I need to know what to do. And she said, I know you need to turn your life over to Jesus and, and give your life to Jesus. And she goes, I got to be there when somebody got saved. And she was so excited. It was really a beautiful thing. 
The other thing that I walked away from this interaction with this gentleman is I thought, you know, but you never know what's going to happen with the seeds that you're planting. And, you know, with this gentleman, I was trying to use every bit of Holy Spirit wisdom and care to just plant as many seeds around his heart as possible and give them the greatest opportunity to grow. And, you know, even though I walked away and, and uh, I felt such a burden for the man, I, I recognized that, well, God loves him so much more, and I had the privilege of planting a lot of seeds. And so we'll see what God does with that. That readiness is such an important thing. Readiness for what God has for you. And, you know, many and most, a lot of us in this room, um, we've made the decision already to, to follow Christ and to turn our lives over. And if you haven't, haven't done it yet, I just encourage you. You know, there's going to be a moment in your life, and I, I wouldn't delay it, but there's going to be a moment in your life where you'll you make a decision of, you know what, I'm ready to take my life out of my hands and put it into his. And once you've done that, once you've kind of put your life in his hands and you're on this journey, there are these moments in your life where it, there's, there's opportunity um, and, and God's uh, leading and direction and even callings in your life and readiness. And there's, there's this alignment thing that begins to happen in this readiness. And one of the th- what I want to do this morning in Scripture with a, a few Scriptures here is show you the readiness inside of people for what God was doing. Because I'm convinced that people who see God moving were seeking Him. And people who see God moving were willing to cooperate with whatever their part was. And that's my heart for us today, is that we would be seeking Him so that we see what He's doing. And that we would be in a position of willingness so that when He comes to our lives and says, Hey, will you you'll say, yes, I will. And these stories, I think, are so inspirational. Luke one i I'm going to read verses 126 through 38 with you. And you're going to love this because it's just the story of, of Christmas. And um, Luke lays it out so well that you can just kind of see the picture. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Gabriel of Nazareth to the town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled. By the way, a lot of times when people have an encounter with an angel, the very first thing in Scripture is they're pretty intimidated, like, whoa. So this is very normal. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered at what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never be. Can you, can you just imagine for a moment, what would it be for, like for a young woman who's basically engaged to be married, to have an angelic, uh, an angel come to you and say this to you? 
I mean, I have so many questions. <laughs> Just so many questions. How will this be, Mary? Asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. She's apparently a very practical woman. <laughs> Somebody's had to talk with her, apparently. Um, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her six months. For no word from God will ever fail. This statement is so beautiful in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. You know, I'm convinced in these encounters that like, because of, of God's omniscience and the fact that he knows and understands everything, I'm convinced that like, he knows how Mary's going to answer. I, I, you know, I don't think, you know, that Jesus was, or, or, or the father was upstairs with like, you know, the, one of those rowlet things like spinning the thing and like, so who's going to get baby Jesus? Like, I don't think it was quite like that. I think, you know, it was Mary. It was the plan for Mary, obviously. And, um, you know, she had questions and she was given answers, but I'm convinced. I mean, you tell a, a young lady, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and you're going to be with child like no one has a frame of reference to understand this. This is a first, you know, like, like she goes, oh, OK, I get that. Thanks for the information. I, you know, like she I don't think she understood. But isn't it amazing how willing she was? I'm so inspired by her willingness, her willingness to accept God's call and purpose in her life and just the readiness to say, yeah, I don't know how, but I, somehow I know this is for me. This is what God has for me. And it, isn't it beautiful that God has a something for every single one of us? Just something, like, for us. That's made for us. I mean, I look at it, and of course, you know, I, there's a lot of differences between me and a young woman who's about to be married. Like, I don't, I've never considered being pregnant. I've never, you know, like, like I, I don't get it, right? For you ladies, you're like, okay, wow, especially you who've had children, you're like, you can get it more. But I think God often, he will prepare us for the thing that he has for us, right? Like it's suited for you. Doesn't mean it's not bigger than you. Doesn't mean that it's not going to take faith. It also doesn't mean that you're going to understand it all. That's the thing I respect about this young woman so much is her willing to move forward without all the answers. I want you to think about that in your own life. The things that God, for some of us, God puts things in our hearts, and we have more questions than we have answers. And is it possible to hold hostage the will of God with our unanswered questions? Rather than just move forward and just say, I'm just going to trust him, even though I don't have all the answers. Now, i got to admit to you, sometimes we get it wrong. You can go, you know, I think God has this for me, and you can totally get it wrong. I, I kind of made the decision in my life where I would rather step out of the boat more often, um, trying to follow the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, 
than to have a life just staying in the boat. I'm willing to fail. I'm willing to sink. If my heart says, I think I'm following the Lord's will and I think I'm pursuing, I'm just kind of, you know, this disposition of, you know what, if I sink, I sink. On my worst day, I get to go to heaven. Right? Kind of like this resignation. I know some of y'all are like, you crazy. But I'm just telling you, you know, just, just kind of my perspective of it. And I think sometimes we're just a little too risk adverse and a little too like, I need some more information. And do you really? Because you know what happens when we have too much information? We take control. And we're like, all right, I got this. He showed me how to do it and what to do it. Hey, I'll check back with you in about eight months and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll check in and see how things are going. Aren't we like that? But you know, when you don't have answers, you know what you end up doing? You pray, 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 pray. Isn't it interesting that when you don't have answers, you seek him more? Maybe that's part of the plan. What I love about that, though, is, isn't that he's like trying to play games with us or taunt us. I think that he's so motivated by relationship that he wants to create that tension in our lives because he knows it's good for us and that we need to always be seeking and always be dependent. I think that one of the things that... Um, that I've seen about the people I respect the most in their faith is that the older they get, the more dependent they get on the Lord. You would think that the older that you get, the more you'd be like, I got this. And the reality is, you ain't got this. He's got this. And you just begin to lean on him more and more and more. I'm also really impressed by her willingness to be inconvenienced, which is a way huge understatement for what's happening. I mean, <laughs> this is super inconvenient. I need a better word. Maybe somebody can give me a better word for second service. Um, and the willingness to be misunderstood. Y'all, she's in this Hebrew culture and she's betrothed. She's a good woman and she's ready to get married to a guy. Like, how does she even know how Joseph is going to, like, respond to the fact that she's showing She's having a baby. And like, how does Joseph have a frame of reference for what's happened? And Joseph, it's kind of cool. You see in Scripture, he's like, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Like, he, he didn't want to shame her or like really like, you know, put her out in public or anything like that. But he's thinking, she ain't who I thought she was. Right? I mean, that's what you would think. The Lord reveals to him, it's like, you need to marry that girl. And you know what? He says yes. That's kind of impressive, too, because, you know, what frame of reference does he have for the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow her and she's going to be with child? Huh? Isn't, that, isn't it cool how faith works, how trust in God works? And they're just inconvenienced and misunderstood because people are, you know, they're touting the dates and they're like, well, you guys got married in such and such and she was showing in such and such. and You know what I mean? Like... And yet, she's got this amazing dignity and honor of, of this call in her life. She's just going to, you know, raise the Savior of the world. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. It makes me wonder, you know, am, am I willing to be inconvenienced? What if what God asked me to do isn't convenient? What if it doesn't fit in my schedule? What if it doesn't um, fit with my own plans and things like that? I'm really, I'm really thankful she was willing to be inconvenienced. I'm, will, I'm really thankful she was willing to be misunderstood. 
I think in our lives, a lot of times, we don't share what God has put in our heart because we don't want to be misunderstood. That's a risk you got to take, too. And um, I think it's worth it. I think just put your heart in the right place. Know your heart is right. Don't be a jerk. Don't be weird if you can. can and, you know, say that often. I'm sorry. Um, I don't think y'all are weird, by the way. <laughs> just have that encouragement. I want to read to you a couple more scriptures that are just so impressive to me. Luke 2.36 says this. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penal, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she lived with her husband seven years after marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. Wow. She never left the temple, but worshipped day and night. There's a whole sermon in there just of how she handled loss and how she handled what she went through. But we're going to go a different way today. She stayed in the temple but worshipped day and night and fasting and praying. Coming up, with them, um, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child who, who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. And basically what the scripture is saying is there's a lady in the temple who's 84 years old named Anna. She's been a widow for many, 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 many decades. And here she is. She's seeking. She's praying. And when she sees Jesus, she recognizes there's something special and that this is the redemption of Israel. What is it like for a lady to be fasting and praying and worshiping in the temple, unmarried for decades, till she's 84, looking for the redemption of Israel? Like, what happened at 60, you know, when she was praying? Did she have some thoughts like, maybe I'm off. Maybe this isn't, maybe, maybe the promise I'm praying for isn't quite right. And maybe I'm praying amiss, but no, it's really in my heart. And just keeps on going, 70 years old, checks in again. Maybe, you know, is this really what I should be praying and fasting for? Like, I'm 80 years old. I've lived a really long life, and I haven't seen the redemption of Israel. I think I'll just keep on going. 84 years old, and this young, young couple walk in with this baby, and she's like, that's it. That's it. Like, how beautiful is that? But you know, when I look at this, it's interesting that there's little scriptures even in there. But I think, I think God wants us to know that if you're seeking him, you're going to see it. Because God's working. God's working. The question is, is are our antennas and are our eyes open are our hearts open? Are our prayer lives engaged so that we can see what he's doing? Because what happens is when you see what he's doing, you cooperate with it. And your heart is, it's like tuning an instrument. When you're seeking him like that, it's like he's tuning the instrument of your heart and your mind. And he's preparing you so that when, you, when he does what he's doing, you can see it. And there she is. So impressive that she makes scripture. Luke 2.25, there's a man named Simon. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, excuse me, Simeon is his name, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. I want to underscore that. He was waiting. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, 
he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms, praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Y'all, that's an eloquent way of saying, I can die now. That's an intense prayer. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And this sign will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Golly day. Now that is a word. He says that he was waiting. Waiting for the Lord to move. Isn't that a really cool thing? I think sometimes, you know, because of our culture, and I, I think God loves cultures and works through cultures, but every culture has uh, strengths and weaknesses. We live in a culture that is a very do this and this happens kind of culture, right? Like I'm going to do this and, you know, and these things will occur, right? I'm going to log in and I'm going to connection. What? My internet doesn't work. You know, it's like, you know, like we expect things to happen. Waiting, it's like a four-hour window for my internet to be fixed. Four hours. I can't wait around for four hours. Like, you know, we have that expectation. Waiting for the Lord to move. Not an interesting thing. And in both of these situations, they waited and they waited upon the Lord. But because they were waiting, they saw it. And I think because it was he was waiting, it makes so much sense that it says he was moved by the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is not spooky or weird. It's the Spirit, God's Spirit. God, it's God. Moving and speaking to us in a very intimate way. And there's a leading. And uh, I find often that the, the Holy Spirit's pretty um, gentle and gracious, yet very strong. And in, in learning to hear the, the voice of God, uh, often by, through, by the Holy Spirit, is something where it's kind of a learned thing. But I notice that you, you can't, like, force the Holy Spirit, like you can't like just dial up and say, okay, I need this answer right now. It's like, well, see, he's God. <laughs> he don't work for you. <laughs> and yet, he loves to answer our questions. And, he le- and I, I think there's a wisdom in, in the Lord where when we're asking, and a lot of times we're like, I really want the answer now. Sometimes the Lord will reveal things about our own hearts and where we are in our security and insecurity with him through the process of waiting. And that there's, there's wisdom in the waiting. Are, are you okay with waiting? Go ahead, you can say it. No. <laughs> but do you believe that if the Lord would have you to wait, that there's probably good reason for it? And are you willing to, while you're waiting, keep seeking? See, there's a position in all of that. There's a position in that, a disposition that makes us more Ready so that when the Holy Spirit moves, we go, I think this is the way. It was amazing to me that last night our team prayed that when people heard, uh, uh, what's his name? Thank you, Nicodemus, 
that when they heard him, it would transform from a play to a prayer and that it would become real. And by golly, a lady came in and said those very words. Do you think it's happenstance that we prayed that? No, it was just like the leading of the Holy Spirit, just giving us like a, a preview of tonight on God moves. Listen, to, you know, and, and, and then we saw it happen. That stuff is so exciting. Because you, you feel like you're in the midst of the place where God is moving, and it's super exciting. But I just want to encourage you today and, and over this Christmas season, would you be seeking, and would you be waiting, and would you be willing? Because the waiting and the seeking is an art and a discipline. It takes, it takes time to develop, but you can get really good at it. And you know what? The better you get at it, the more settled you will be in life. You'll have greater peace than you've ever had. Because if you can wait on him and seek him and let the anxiety go, you just trust him more. It's really, he's so smart that way. But then what happens is the willing. Just being willing. And I want to challenge you this morning. Would you prepare your heart to be willing? I think one of the things that's really key to being willing is it's important that you trust him. A lot of times people have a resistance to the willing because they're worried about the cost. They're worried about what he's going to. I used to tell the story of how when I was little, I was, I was petrified that God was going to call me to be a missionary in Africa, that I was going to live unmarried in a mud hut in Africa. It's like, oh, and then years later, I was in Africa with Jeremy Parker looking at a mud hut, <laughs> having the time of my life. I didn't live in the mud hut, and I'm very happily married. Um, but I, I realized later in life that there's this integration between how he's made you and what he puts in your heart. And yeah, there are places where your will crosses, but those are always healthy places and good places. And yeah, there's sacrifice, but I will tell you from my own Every sacrifice has been worth it. And honestly, I feel like God's only calling me to more. And because I trust him more, there's more willingness. And I just want to encourage and challenge you to, like, like just be willing. Because I really do believe that willingness contributes to how much of those things that he has for you, you get to cooperate in. And um, I don't think, it's not a condemnation thing. It's a we get to thing. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning and grace we come?